0: Hi everyone and welcome to this worship service hosted by myself and Victoria Christian Reformed Church. I'm so glad you've tuned in. Uh, I'm also personally glad to be back in the pulpit after having a few weeks of vacation. Um, It was good to get away with the family but it's also good to be back at work. Pretty soon I hope um, to not just be speaking in an empty sanctuary Uh, Looking at my phone, uh, but uh, I hope to have a few other people here with me Um, This past week. I I was working pretty hard um, thinking dreaming a reopening plan for our church Uh, Brittany and I have been discussing it. Uh, What will that look like? Um, How should we go about doing this safely and we've come up with what we think and hope is is a a decent and, and workable plan that that fits who we are as a church So it is our hope and prayer to communicate the vision for this service as well as the way in which we will gather safely um, Early next week or mid next week and we'd like to start gathering uh, For worship services uh, the following thursday evening at 7 p.m We're hoping to offer two services a week for 50 people each a thursday night service and a sunday morning service and so um, our first service hopefully Fall goes well. We'll be on September the 10th. Now, obviously, we're all going to have to be a little bit flexible this fall. Um, We do not know what is going to happen with the coronavirus over the next few months. And so we'll be taking our cues from the federal government and our provincial health authorities and making wise plans in accordance with their guidance. So I look forward to... um, Yeah, hopefully seeing you guys soon and and communicating our plan. But today we head back into the scriptures and into the Psalms in particular, and we'll be reading and reflecting on Psalm 26. Uh, This summer I have chosen to follow the lectionary, the common lectionary, which is um, a reading schedule. Each week there is a Old Testament text, a New Testament text, a story from the life of Jesus, as well as a psalm. And I've been preaching on the lectionary Psalms, and the Psalm for today is Psalm 26. Please join me in prayer. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless your scattered church this morning through the reading and preaching of your word. Be near to those who are watching, comfort us, assure us, strengthen us. And then use us, Lord, that we may be a community that lives for Your glory, the aroma of Jesus Christ in this troubled, troubled world. We pray all this in Your Son's powerful name, Amen. We're going to dive right into our scripture passage this morning, um, but before we do, I thought we could just reflect on the first two verses of "Speak, O Lord." So, if you want to sing along with me at home, you're welcome to do that. Or you can just close your eyes and and let the words of this um, song uh, be your prayer as we go into the text. word of the Lord from Psalm 26 vindicate me O Lord for I have led a blameless life I have trusted in you Lord without wavering test me O Lord and try me examine my mind and my heart for your love is ever before me and I walk continually in your truth I do not sit with deceitful men nor do I consort with hypocrites I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, O Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with bloodthirsty men in whose hands are wicked schemes whose right hands are full of bribes. But I lead a blameless life. Redeem me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground. In the great assembly, I will praise you, the Lord. This is the word of God for us today. Thanks be to him. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, Psalm 26 is a prayer for justice, for vindication. The one praying this prayer, perhaps King David, wants God to step in and make things right. In some ways, Psalm 26 is, is a hard psalm uh, for us to interpret and apply today, especially when read in the light of the rest of the Bible. I mean, can anyone truly say, uh, can anyone truly stand before God and say, I have led a blameless life? The psalmist's description of himself almost sounds a little smug. Oh Lord, I, I do not sit with deceitful people or, or hang out with wicked men. Rather, I wash my hands in innocence and go about continually worshiping, worshiping you at the altar. In some ways, the psalmist sounds a little like the Pharisee that Jesus makes an example of in Luke chapter 18. You remember the parable. Jesus spoke it, and he said this. He said, two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. When the Pharisee got up to pray, he exalted himself. He said, oh God, I thank you that I am not like these other people, the robbers, the adulterers, evildoers and definitely not like this tax collector over here i fast twice a week and i give a tenth of all that i have when the pharisee was done the tax collector got got up and he stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven but he beat his breast and he said lord have mercy upon me a sinner i tell you the truth jesus concludes this parable it was the tax collector and not the Pharisee that when went home justified that day. I wonder which, which person, the Pharisee or the tax collector, which, which, is more the, which, which man is the psalmist more like in Psalm 26? It seems to me that he's a little bit like the Pharisee. He's awfully eager to justify himself before God while looking down his nose at others that aren't as righteous as him. If King David is the author of this psalm, then this is certainly a hypocritical prayer. David did not have a clean record. He could not wash his hands in innocence. He slept with Bathsheba and then had Bathsheba's wife her husband killed in battle. In fact, in many ways, King David is a good example of the weaknesses that mark our human nature. His life confirms what the Apostle Paul concludes in Romans 3, that no one is righteous, no one is blameless, not even one. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So what are we to do with Psalm 26? How are we to understand it and apply it to ourselves? Does it have any use in the life of faith Despite these legitimate wonders and questions, I've come to see that there is something profoundly right, important, and indeed helpful about Psalm 26. And while it's not, while it's not a prayer that can be prayed while reflecting back on the long arc of one's life, this is, this is no deathbed prayer. It is a prayer that can be prayed in specific moments along life's journey, specifically in times when one of God's servants is experiencing injustice. Vindicate me, O Lord, the psalmist prays, for I have led a blameless life. I'm not sure that the NIV captures the, the nuance of the Hebrew here. The psalmist isn't claiming innocence from life's, life's first cry to final breath. He knows himself to be dependent, like everyone else, on the loving kindness of God. What he's saying, rather, is that in this moment he has not done wrong but has walked with integrity the charges against him they're unfounded examine my heart lord he prays test me look into me see if there's any evil way in there let me know we don't know the exact situation that gave rise to this prayer for vindication but it's not hard to imagine you can imagine a young David sitting in some cave, hiding from King Saul. What had, he, what had he, David done to deserve the king's wrath? Had he conspired with evil men? Was he leading some sort of coup? No. David had served Saul faithfully, but his rising popularity had made Saul mad, and in his jealousy, Saul sought to kill David and poison his reputation. And as a result, David had to go into hiding. You can hear him pray in this prayer in some cave. Vindicate me, O Lord. I have walked with integrity. I have served you. I do not hang out with, with wicked men. Rather, my delight is to be in your house, praising your name. I doubt that any of you have had spears thrown at you by an angry king. But perhaps you've had your own experience of being falsely accused, a a victim of injustice. Maybe a a colleague of yours was jealous of your promotion, and then they started um, spreading rumors about you around the office. Or maybe a a business partner betrayed you, and uh, maybe tried to take you to court to try to steal your half of the business. Or maybe you were actually accused of a crime that, that you did not commit and you paid for it dearly. What do you do? Where do you go? What what prayer do you pray when confronted with injustice? You pray Psalm 26. Vindicate me, O Lord. I have walked with integrity. Vindicate me. Set things right. This past week, Brittany and I watched Terrence Malik's uh, latest film, which is called A Hidden Life. This movie is an absolute masterpiece. Um, it's three hours long and very slow, so you have to settle into it. But if you do, it, it is a moving, moving film. The film tells the story of Franz, Franz Jägerstadter and his family. Franz was a peasant farmer in Austria during the Second World War. In his youth, he was a little bit reckless. He liked to get drunk in the town with the friends, and and he fathered a child out of wedlock. But when he met his wife, Fanny, he settled down with her, and together they started a family. And he also started to take his Catholic faith uh, really serious. When the war started, Franz was forced to train for battle um, uh, with the Nazis. His village in Austria was loyal to Hitler. But as the war developed, Franz came to see that he couldn't in good conscience swear allegiance to Hitler. In A Hidden Life, the movie, it tells the story of Franz's journey to this conclusion, to not swear allegiance to Hitler, and it also tells the story of what happens as a result of uh, this decision. Franz and his family were ostracized in their town. Uh, People spat at his kids and The women of the town shunned his wife. Even the priests said, What are you doing, Franz? This is not helping anyone. You're just one person. You know, you can swear allegiance to Hitler with your voice and you can believe something different in your heart. Why take this stand? What good does it do? Terence Malik, the writer and director of this movie, he does a marvelous job capturing the interior struggle and the prayer life of Franz and family, this, this couple. Through voiceover, we hear them quoting Psalm 23. We hear their prayers for vindication and justice. At one point, we see Franz, he's all beaten up, he's in prison. And we see him looking out the window, and the light is shining in. It's uh, this moment of, you know, you see this, this cry for, for, for the Lord, the light of God, the truth of God to this desire for it um, to shine in and and to make things right. Vindicate me, O Lord. Vindicate me. Set things right. I'm taking a stand here for you in the midst of this violent war. Bring your justice. Bring your justice. Franz Jägerstatter was executed. um, He was beheaded in 1943. And when the film ended... And it's a, it's a real tragedy, in a way. When the film ended, both Brittany and I were just, we were struck, and we were filled with this emotional turmoil. We cried for Franz's widow and the children that he left behind. We were moved by his perseverance through suffering and his witness to the way of Jesus in a violent world. But another question nagged us, too. I mean, why didn't, why didn't God answer this man's prayer for vindication Why didn't he was filled with integrity? He was walking walking in the light He cried for For you know, his desire was his for his prayers to be answered for him to return to his family, but God did not answer that prayer Why not? Sometimes we wonder where is God? Why the injustice? Certainly there are times in scripture when God does indeed intervene in history to set things right. I mean, the example of King David is yeah, it's a good example of this. But not always. Not every moment in history, not every victim of injustice receives vindication in the present. And sometimes we wonder, where is God? While there aren't any simple answers to this question, I believe there is comfort, strength, and hope to be found in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, in the cross and resurrection, we we find both the powerful resources we need to continue to stand firm, and the hope of ultimate vindication. You see, Jesus was well acquainted with suffering. He knew what it was like to be falsely accused and suffer injustice. The Jewish officials produced false witnesses against him. Pontius, the crowd-pleaser Pilate washed his hands of the whole affair, but Jesus kept his integrity throughout the whole thing, and he put his trust on on unwavering in the Lord. His example of perseverance in the face of injustice, it it continues to be a powerful source of strength to those who suffer. When I was a child, uh, I remember my, my mother reading the stories of of Corey Temboon uh, to, to, to myself and my, my siblings. Like France, Corey lived through the Second World War and at one point in her journey she even did time in a concentration camp with her sister and upon entering the concentration camp uh, the guards had Corey and her sisters stripped down completely naked. They knew that that this was uncalled for, they knew that they didn't have to take off all their clothes but the guards Told them to take it all off, and there they stood before them, humiliated. And as they stood there naked, Corey's sister whispered something under her breath. She said, He was naked too. Jesus. They stripped off all his clothes too. Remembering Christ's passion and suffering. I mean it didn't it didn't take their suffering away. It didn't didn't solve their experience of injustice, but it empowered them to continue on, knowing that their master had suffered injustice too. The author of Hebrews encourages us in this. He writes, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus, his perseverance in the face of injustice is a a powerful source of comfort and strength to all who follow after him. But there's more in the gospel than simply empathy from heaven. There is also vindication. For on the third day, God obliterated the broken scales of justice and raised his innocent son from the dead. There is much that can be said about the resurrection, its meaning and its importance for us. But what I want you to see today is that it is the dramatic act of justice that lies at the center of history. Earthly powers thought they'd try to pull a fast one on the Son of God, but the heavenly powers took notice. The earthly justice system sentenced an innocent man to death, but the heavenly justice system rolled away the stone and set the man of integrity free. On the third day, Jesus was vindicated. And so it will be for all those who suffer injustice in this world, especially for his name's sake. This is Christian hope. The one, that one day, the just judge will return to earth, the judge, the living, and the dead. The resurrection confirms that this day is coming. It confirms that there is a power higher than the powers on earth. This is both terrifying and exhilarating, I think. Terrifying because we too will be judged by the one who sees all and who knows our hearts. But for those who are in Christ, this day will also be exhilarating. For the just judge is also our loving Savior. He laid down his life so that we may stand blameless before our Father in heaven. So I want to encourage you with this psalm today and invite you to pray it, and to take heart, and um, to allow it to strengthen you, specifically if you are experiencing injustice. And to know deeply today, too, that in Jesus, God has ultimately answered the psalmist's prayers for vindication. And one day he will return to set things straight. In the meantime, we can wait, and we can work, and we can live for him with confidence and hope. And we can even love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us because we know that vindication belongs to God. We know that we serve our suffering Saviour and Lord and that when he will return, when he returns, he will vindicate us. This truth is well captured in question and answer 52 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And I'd like to end this sermon today by confessing our faith together. Here's the question. How does Christ return to judge the living and the dead comfort you? Answer. In all distress and persecution, with uplifted head, I confidently await the very judge who has already offered himself to the judgment of God in my place and removed the whole curse from me. Christ will cast all his enemies and mine into everlasting condemnation but will take me and all his chosen ones to himself in the joy of heaven. Please join me in prayer. Father in heaven, in this life we have trouble. Some of the trouble we created through our own sin, through our own bad decisions, uh, And some of it has happened to us, perhaps, and perhaps we didn't even deserve it. Lord, there's just so much wrong that takes place in this world. And I'm thinking today of the people who are watching, Lord, and the injustice that they've experienced. And Lord, I pray that you would be near to them and that you would strengthen them, body and soul. Lord, I pray that the example of Jesus would be always before us and that we would be reminded of the ways that he walked with complete integrity in the face of injustice. Help us, Lord, to follow in his steps. Give us perseverance. And we're so grateful, Lord, that we live in a world that uh, there are powers that are greater than the powers of this world. We're thankful, Lord, that you are in control and that you see all that happens, and that justice will come. We look forward and hope, Lord, for the day that Jesus Christ returns, and we pray, Father, that you would fill us um, with the power we need to bear witness to his kingdom here and now. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to respond with uh, another song. And once again, you're welcome to sing along or simply let this song be a prayer for you this morning. It's called Jesus, Draw Me Ever Nearer.
1: this passage and I'll follow and sure go. Like, oh.
0: Brothers and sisters, this week I invite you to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Consider him, consider his example, the integrity with which he walked. Let's follow him, and as we go, let's not lose sight of the fact that God raised him from the dead, vindication, and that a day of vindication for this world, for us, is coming. Go in the power of God's blessing for you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. And we all said together, Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.